Welcome to Dream Deep. Stories from inside with Molly and Nikki. Together we share stories, interviews, and ideas about what it means to dream deep and live fully. I'm Molly, a mama to three, a wife and owner of a small business in Virginia, Molly Suzanne, a photography company recently expanding to do custom coloring books and acrylic paintings. I'm Nikki Weaver, an artist, a healer, mover, maker, mama to two, wife to one, and currently building work with incarcerated women and women on the outside through a nonprofit called On the Inside, living in Portland, Oregon. Here we are, recording in progress. We're back. Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> Molly and Nikki here, ready for another deep dive conversation. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you got today, Molly? What, what, what are we talking about? Tell our yeah. listeners. <laughs> yeah. So I am um, reading a book by Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection. Um, and, you know, just talking about what holds us back from what we enjoy doing, love doing, um, and what can help us move forward um, with shame and vulnerability. So I think vulnerability can definitely be a scary thing for a lot of people, especially if you've been hurt in the past, which haven't we all. Um, and, you know, that shame piece, um, just kind of feeling like there's like the shame and the guilt. The shame is I am a horrible person. The guilt is I did a horrible thing you know, and guilt can, I think, help us as we move forward to do better and kind of, um, but shame can be really crippling for progress and moving forward in our lives. Um, and I know for my own situation, you know, the shame that I went through really led to a beautiful recovery too. Um, mm. so it can be a part, it can be good and in, in a part of our story, um, if we let it. Mm, um, mm. and just being vulnerable enough to share those those stories you know um can be something that I think that can help other people in their journey too mm. well I love it so we're diving right in shame guilt and vulnerability good morning <laughs> if, if you're sipping your coffee or maybe running that's what we're talking about today shame guilt and vulnerability um, it, in reference really to the Gifts of Imperfection, the book that Molly's sort of talking about. If you haven't read it, it's by Brené Brown. Um, if you're not a reader, she also has a ton of different TED Talks on shame, on vulnerability. You could listen to some of her lectures. She has two different podcasts, um, Daring Greatly, I think is one. And uh, I forget the other one. I want to say the other one is on leadership, but I can't think of the name of it right now. But there are two that I often flip-flop back and forth between. Um, yeah, I, I've seen her speak. I think when she was here in Portland, Molly, I, and the, her book, Daring Greatly, was coming out. I went to sort of listen to her talk about that book and then also, you know, read a copy of it. But uh, yeah. yeah, she's been somebody that I've followed for years. And especially in the theater world and making theater the idea of vulnerability is something that I come back to over and over again. And often when I'm teaching, I ask students to listen to her vulnerability TED talk. And we often do it together in a group setting where uh, people take notes and then we talk about it afterwards of 
why is vulnerability necessary in our work, but also in our life? Mm. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll just start there with vulnerability of breaking that down for myself. I think it's something that I'm very attracted to in other people. Um, I love seeing it on stage in films. It's the quality that draws me in and makes me want to get to know somebody. Um, because it's real, it's unfiltered, um, and it's scary, is, is what I think you mentioned. Um, and I remember years ago, a young actor that I was teaching, he said, I really, really want to learn how to be vulnerable. I just, I, I know, I know it would be really good for me and it would serve me. I don't know how to do it. Hmm. You know, and I thought, man, how do you teach vulnerability? Is it really the unteaching, the undoing, the letting yourself, as Brené Brown says, be seen, be truly seen? Um, and, and how scary that is to feel naked in front of somebody. You know, and I think about that on, in theater, right? And being in yeah. front of an audience, there is a nakedness to that. Or in front of your partner, you know, stripping your clothes off, um, a literal sense of being naked, that, that those are practices of vulnerability. And we either lean into that, you know, walk towards it or we shy away from it. And, you know, I know Brené Brown often talks about that she didn't even hang out with people that were vulnerable. She didn't like that. She wanted everything in her little bento box, you know, ordered and organized. And um, I, I think growing up for myself, vulnerability, what you were speaking to was something that um, uh, seems scary because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't predictable. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing that that vulnerability is exciting and interesting to me is that vulnerability is the moment where you don't expect to cry and suddenly you're weeping. Yeah. Or you start laughing at something you maybe shouldn't be laughing at and you can't stop or farting in front of somebody or um, yeah. what, what, whatever it is that uh, that breaks sort of that ice. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and I would agree. It's definitely uh, something that we all want, but it is definitely scary. Um, just kind of breaking those walls down literally and, um, you know, letting go of sort of, I know that I'm definitely a people pleaser. So I fall into that, you know, um, kind of holding back because of the way I'm perceived. Mm. Um, a lot of times that, that most definitely holds me back. Um, so that's where my mind goes when I think of vulnerability is just understanding that we're all human beings and that we all, you know, have a good and a bad and we all make mistakes and we all, um, are flawed and that that's okay. 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting how it can be so scary. Um, and maybe it would be less scary if we saw more people doing it, more of our friends um, being vulnerable. That would be, um, and I think that I tend to do that. If I am with someone that is more vulnerable, that makes me feel comfortable to be vulnerable with them, um, you know? And so maybe even just taking, you know, challenging our listeners to take that first leap of being vulnerable without someone else being vulnerable. Um, mm first and and just kind of saying hey I'm and even just spelling it out hey I'm feeling really vulnerable here but I'm going to go ahead and say it um this is sort of how I'm feeling or where my mind's going and um I either like it or I don't or you know whatever it might be 
Um, but I think we can learn so much from being vulnerable. Um, and, and I think that's what draws me to people too, Nikki. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, you know, when, especially with social media, people just, um, instead of, you know, my life is perfect and I'm in this box, you know, um, you're kind of like, hey, I'm either really struggling. Um, I know that I can really relate to a lot of moms that, you know, they'll, they've just had a baby and they're like, I'm a really struggling. And like, you know, I just had this baby and it's supposed to be all perfect. And, you know, all these bonding moments and memories and I'm on cloud nine, but it's not that way. Yeah. It's very yeah. scary or that's really hard right now. And just being able to like, you know, share that on social media or even just maybe the first step is sharing it with a friend. Um, right. You know, um, and just challenging you today to do that because I know that when I actually shared um, my story of recovery and my anxiety and depression that I went through um, and then, you know, being able to share that was super scary. You know, like, am I going to lose followers? Are people going to think I'm dumb or, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, just sharing that I went through some really hard crap. Um, I went through a divorce and then soon after that, you know, um, stopped drinking alcohol with, um, you know, that just being a really terrible spiral for my life and just all the things that happened because of my drinking mm. and now being sober for almost two and a half years, just being able to see clearer and then also share my story in the fact that it could help someone else. Maybe they're where I was three years ago. Mm. Um, they're like, Oh, I relate to that. You know, if she can, you know, get help and recover, so can I. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. You, you, you speak to Molly, something, um, I think that's such a valuable tool of, of spelling it out of saying to your partner, I'm feeling really vulnerable saying to your friend, your family, your coworker, mm -hmm. um, that, th that helps people. I almost want to say, take the edge off, you know, yeah. or take, take a breath or, or really, really listen and really lean in. And I know Brené Brown often gives a few examples of ways that people show vulnerability, you know, um, asking their husband for help, um, telling somebody, you know, that you have cancer and asking somebody to sort of hold your purse or help you get dressed. Um, I, I remember it, it made me think of a, a, a vulnerable moment for myself. And I'm curious to, you know, hear you, you shared some of yours of sharing your story um, around addiction and recovery and divorce um, of telling my husband I loved him for the first time, you know, mm -hmm. before we were married. And I remember we were um, sleeping on our friend's floor on a mattress and, uh, you know, it was dark. And I was like laying on the floor with my eyes wide open thinking, I think I love this person. I think I love this person, you know, and, and but like, if I say it, will he walk away? Will he run away? You know, maybe he doesn't love me. And then what? Then, then what? Um, and it's funny because we talk about this moment now, but he had no memory of it. But for me, it was uh, like, you know, asking somebody to marry you yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they don't respond. And, <laughs> and, and, and just that moment where after I said it, it was okay. And yeah. he didn't repeat it back right away, but yeah. it was like, he didn't leave the bed either. You know, yeah. he didn't leave the room. And, and sure. I just remember thinking about that, but, um, hmm. I think vulnerability, maybe it gets easier over time and, and maybe it doesn't, but I also think about, um, 
we get to choose, and I often think about this too, and it, it has to be part of our practice too, that we get to check our vulnerability in terms of who we get to be vulnerable with. Because, you know, if I walked around with my heart wide open and sobbing, walking down the street every day, I don't know that that would be healthy for me or anybody that I would come into spheres with. But if I, you know, showed up on your doorstep crying or sobbing or on my hands and knees, I I would feel immediately at home with you, you know, and and recognizing that um, I I do think vulnerability is a gift, but it's also a practice. And um, and, and, you know, as, as Brené also speaks to the, the hangovers of when you do something that's vulnerable, share something that's vulnerable, ask for something, that there is an effect on the body too afterwards. Um, you know, and I, and I feel it sometimes coming off stage, if it's a super emotional scene, um, or it like takes a lot of my sort of personal story into it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I come off stage and I either, when I go home at night and have to, you know, put my life back together and, you know, step out of a character, either I'm energized from that, or I'm completely drained. And I'm like, Oh, I need to sit in the bath or I need to change my clothes. And like, yeah. you know, d- almost recombobulate myself into like, sure. who's Nikki. Yeah. Um, those are some things that came up as I was listening, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's so true. And, um, she just spoke in the book about having that one person to be vulnerable mm. with. Start with that, you know. Yeah, there you go. You feel like you can trust that's not going to shoot, to shoot you down because I would say that it's it's almost like coming out of your shell a little bit and like testing the waters to see mm-hmm. like is this safe? Am I safe with this person? Am I safe to be vulnerable? And then yeah. and. and- and, th- and that makes me think that the, the testing the waters might be writing a truth in your journal. Mm-hmm. And then it might be speaking it to your therapist. And then it might be speaking it to your partner. Like sure. th- those little steps that, um, yeah. th- that lead us, you know, and I, I think of it more um, these days, vulnerability is more authentic living. Yes. Um, and, and those are the people I want to be around. Those are the people that I feel greatest ease with. Yeah. But but I don't think that we arrive there. I think we practice getting there daily. Yeah. <laughs> daily, right? Oh, absolutely. Um yeah. I would say even with Brad, my husband, you know, there's still things that I struggle with being able to be vulnerable and share. Um, mm-hmm. I've always had a hard time sharing anything that's confronting that would be, hey, this hurt my feelings. Um, I just mm. go inward and I just kind of clam up. Um, and so to just be able to say, Hey, this hurt my feelings. Can we talk about it? Like just those words feeling mm. out loud are really, really hard for me still. Yeah. Um, so I think I love the idea of what you said, with just even writing it in, in your journal, just like to be able to get it out and yeah. not have it like festering. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. weren't able to share it with the person yet. Yeah. Well, and, and that makes me think, I know you're not alone in like saying, hey, I'm hurt or hey, I, I felt really sad when you blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. You know, I think about that even this, this last week, we sitting in the kitchen with my husband, Brian, I had a thought and then he said, tell me, you know, what, what, what is it? And I said, I'm afraid if, if I say this out loud, mm-hmm. um, you won't think positively of me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think this is something I should just hold for myself. I, yeah. I don't know if you could hear it. 
And he said, he said, you know, I mean, to his credit, he said, no, I want to hear it. You know, I I want you to be honest. And that was really hard because when I said it, then I like just went straight to tears because I felt like a bad person, (laughs) you know, but, but that was, but speaking it into existence, Molly was freeing, you know, and then it let us have like a really meaningful conversation about like, why did I think this? And was it really true? And, and how we can, um, our thoughts are our thoughts, but we don't have to believe our thoughts. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't control us. And, and yes, that's part of the mindfulness work, but how hard that is when you have a thought to not identify it as true, you know. It's so true. And ah. I, one thing that I need, I want to share that I learned in one of my classes um, is it's almost the analogy helped me. So you think about driving the um, car of life, right? So you're driving along and you've got the gremlins in the back who are representing your emotions, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they're like trying to drive, you know, but you don't let them drive your car. Okay, you, okay. You recognize and you notice them, but you don't have to let your emotions like steer the ship kind of thing. Mm. Um, so that was always a really good analogy for me when I would, the emotions would rise, like you said, with yep. your thoughts. They don't yeah. have to be true or dictate, you know, what is reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think, I often think about the analogy of um, the emotions or the breath, like the ocean, the, sure. um, the, the surges of water, the current, um, and then the emotions are the waves. So they yeah. come in and then they also move away. Um, oh, and yeah. if I can visualize that, sometimes that helps me like process and not like get stuck in like holding on to a feeling that I'm like, this isn't healthy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, being able to move through them, right. But not around them, but acknowledging that, that, that there's a strong sensation, but it can pass, it can pass, it can pass. Yeah. Um, sure. Let's talk about shame and guilt. I kind of, I mean, we've yeah. talked about vulnerability. I'm so curious. Um, it's great actually talking about the gifts of imperfection because I haven't read that book in a long time and so just touching on these topics that you mentioned yeah Yeah. guilt shame where do you want to go yeah um well I would say it can go one or two ways with guilt and shame you can let it be um, a growing situation or you can Mm. let it be a big time stumbling block And for me, I would say there was definitely a time where, um, you know, I had a lot of shame and a lot of guilt on something that happened two years ago. Um, And I didn't really share it with many people. um, And I let it really affect my relationships for a while because I just wasn't able to fully, um, there was only a few people that knew about it. Um, and I think I let it really fester big time. Um, and then when I was able to actually just share it with my therapist, just, um, in a very vulnerable way, speaking of vulnerability, um, just kind of how it made me feel without having the bias of my partner, uh, but just truly someone who would listen, um, was really freeing. Um, and then finally now, you know, being able to share it maybe with a few more people and um, not feel like they just, you know, leave me or aren't my friend anymore because of this certain situation, but using it as, hey, this is something that you went through that was really hard, but we all go through all of, you know, we all go through things like this in life. 
Um, and then the fact that I let it, you know, that was right before I got sober. Um, so I allowed that to change and to help with my growth process and evolving and making it better and not mm -hmm. spiral, spiraling downhill where you think I'm worthless. Um, I'm horrible person. I can never come back from this. Nobody will forgive me. You know, all of those just like shameful thought processes just can bury someone, but to let it, you know, be more of a learning curve. Um, that's what my mom always calls it. I'm like, oh, thanks, mom. That's a good way. That's a nice way of putting it. You know, oh, those were learning curves, not mistakes. You know? um, Some things we don't want to learn, though. <laughs> I know, for sure. Well, you learn the hard way. Um, yeah, or the lessons but, that we, we keep repeating, right? Or have yeah. to keep coming back to learn. Right. So that's where I kind of go with it. Um, you know, that it, it can be, you can let it, you know, um, grow you or you can let it be sort of a stumbling block in your life. It depends on, I think it also goes back to that vulnerability, you know, are you going to um, be vulnerable and let this help you to grow and to move forward in your life? Yeah. And how you do that. I mean, you know, maybe you have some thoughts on how, how do you do that? How do you let shame and guilt, um, help you grow and move forward yeah uh, well you know I'll, I'll, when I think about shame and guilt you know and I haven't looked up the definition of either of them in a long time but mm -hmm. shame to me is something that I feel right mm -hmm. it's a feeling that I hold I'm I'm a, I'm in shame and ashamed right so yeah. so uh, um I feel shame that I wasn't on time for our meeting I feel um shame that uh th that i'm not a big enough person in the world um and, and guilt so, so shame feels like a feeling and guilt feels like something i carry mm, um interesting perspective you know and and i'm like what is that is guilt like oh i committed a crime i'm guilty is guilt um something i carry uh, guilt for uh, not being present enough with my mom when she was dying and, you know, sitting at her bedside because I was a kid and my guilt around that was, well, she looked and smelled so different, you know, but, but what if I'd been there holding her hand at the very end? So yeah. there's like guilt that I carry. Um, and so when I think about uh, shame the, uh, as a feeling and then guilt is something I carry, Molly, mm -hmm. I, I think r really, I mean, what's helped me over the years really understand I think really understand emotional awareness really look at emotions as something that are helpful for me in navigating um, what brings me happiness what brings me peace what what, what makes me me mm -hmm. like teaching myself emotional awareness I think really began with getting in my body you mm -hmm. know and, and and as a kid I didn't really understand that and it wasn't until really I started running yeah. The, the act of moving my body made me think of things, remember things, process things about my childhood and my mom and I's life before she died, mm. you know? And so that was like a key into a, a large world of like, oh, when I move my body, I can, um, I can experience feelings that I've blocked, shut down, tried to numb. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then really, of course, talk therapy, uh, you know, I've had a ton of talk therapy in my life, um, both in the U S and then in Australia. Um, 
talk therapy is challenging for me because it often means sitting still. Mm. And that's been a lot of my experience of working with therapists and, and friends of mine. I have a lot of close friends that are therapists know that like, if I need them or I want to pay them for a session, what's mm. most helpful for me is to walk and talk, walk and talk, walk and talk. Cause I can be in my body and I can also like have large emotional things coursing through me, yeah. but we're physically and like mentally and emotionally able to move. Wow. Um, you know, and, and so I think really like, and that's like still how I process in the world. I talk a little bit with friends, but you know, running, walking, yoga, yeah. um, the, the internal process is one thing that I often have to go through first, kind mm -hmm. of coming back to vulnerability before I can speak something aloud. Mm -hmm. And then there's often, um, you know, there's a, a couple different mindfulness exercises I've done over the years. One is the cutting of the cord mm -hmm. where you actually, you know, you have a piece of string. And if you're working in a group, you have somebody else in the group, tie it onto your wrist or your arm. And it is the sort of talking out loud, but internal processing of like, I release, I release. Mm. And you cut the cord to like release this tension, break this tension. Um, you know, and another one is, um, I think it's a Hawaiian saying, yeah. uh, but, I'm, but I'm not 100% sure where you sort of take the problem, the situation, the person, and I often do it with like a hands to my heart, like I'm doing now. And it's, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, and you could expand on that, but really just, I'm sorry, really has to land. Please mm -hmm. forgive me. I wish you peace. Mm -hmm. And it's really the three statements, right? Because if we, you know, Esther Perel's work, if we expand upon a, a sorry, I'm sorry, I hurt you, but I was running late for blah, blah, blah. Then it's not actually yeah. an apology, right? Sure. It, it's an excuse. Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. And so to really just let, I'm sorry, sit with the person. Um, and, and that, that Molly, like I think of, of a couple of, of experiences of like feuds with people in the past where I have really believed strongly that I had not done anything, that the other person had overreacted. Yeah. And I, I was really challenged to just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Yeah. But like, I had to do a lot of internal work, walking, talking, sure. and to, to come to that place, you know, and also to sort of believe, choose to believe that we're all doing the best we can. Mm. Some people I can walk towards, some people I just have to stand with, some people I have to walk away from. Yeah. And, and that those three things are in my control. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it, and there are things that, you know, that we can learn even from, um, you know, I think about the kids because you reminded me when you were like, I didn't think that I did anything wrong. And sometimes, sometimes when I tell or talk to the kids, I say, you know, um, you might not have thought that you did anything wrong, but even just mm. a simple apology, um, just like, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. I'm sorry if I, if I offended you, um, did not, you know, um, but, but not expanding on that because you, it can sort of take away from the apology or the heartfelt, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that we can learn a lot from kids too, in the way that they are so completely vulnerable. Like, so mm -hmm. what point do we switch to where we feel like, you know, as we get older, um, when does that switch happen where, um, and it does seem like children have a lot less, um, 
burdens because of that mm. you know mm. as they're really really young and and I'm not sure why that would be but it, it does seem like they're just constantly just sharing exactly what's on their heart and they're not really um, holding on to things that are can be stumbling blocks. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, that's a great like point of view. I mean, you're raising three kids and I'm raising two. Um, yeah. and mine are both girls. And, you know, one, one thing that I often notice is like how large their reactions can be. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's so freeing, right? To see children, they just like can go from excitement to like sobbing tears to tantrum yeah. to totally calm um, in an instant, you know, which is I think a learning curve for, for all of us, because as we've become adults, gotten older, we've, I would say, numb a lot of our emotions. And some of us do it with food or alcohol or caffeine or, you know, avoidance. But um, kids, children are the great reminder of how expansive our actual emotional life is yeah. and how, how expansive we can be as people. Um, so, so I, I look at them and sometimes I'm jealous or I envy that they have it. such amazing capacity. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have that too. I have that too. But um, one thing I often talk about with Margot and Elliot is, you know, if they are like, ah, blah, 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 I was doing this and this at school. And like, I told them, blah, blah. blah. And I said, you know what? It, it's helpful to think about, you can't change somebody else. You yeah. can't change what they do, what they say, but what you can control and what you can change is who you are. you know and so what could you try tomorrow with this person if if this didn't work today what's another thing you could try tomorrow you know and and so we often talk about like having two or three different ways that you could try interact Mm -hmm. things you could say and sometimes we do the role-playing thing um molly you know because i i think it's helpful to imagine different outcomes Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't always, the, the conversations we have in our head, you know, of something vulnerable or scary that we need to say or do isn't often how they play out in real life. Um, you know, and, and really, I, I think about that with, with raising two kids of like, how am I helping them learn to navigate their emotional life so that they can be resilient and strong, but also soft, um, sure uh which is tricky you know it is tricky (laughs) and it's interesting you you talk about numbing um I think that that might be one thing that sets us apart from even uh children Mm. not to say they don't numb as well in their own way but as we get older you know we turn to alcohol drugs food shopping whatever it might be that is our go-to to numb what we're going through or our feelings um to not have to be vulnerable or to just bury things and um you know how freeing it really is to have someone to um just kind of get that out and and be able to feel in your body um you know things that are happening in your own life that may be causing some shame some guilt um you know I think is is just such a wonderful thing to to be reminded that it's not easy but I think there are a lot of things that aren't easy that are so beneficial yeah. Um, and that's definitely one is, and that's something that I've definitely had to get gotten used to. Probably the biggest thing I've had to get used to being sober is, you know, people are like, Oh, I've had a bad day. I'm going to just turn, I'm just going to have a drink or I had a bad day or I, you know, whatever, something pissed me off that got me really upset. Um, and then you just turn to 
alcohol or, or what, again, whatever it is that you, that you turn to, to just kind of escape. And mm-hmm. instead she talks about, Brene talks about running to that fear yeah. or going to that place that's uncomfortable and mm-hmm. vulnerable and mm-hmm. saying, how can I overcome this feeling everything? Yeah, exactly yeah. how it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely not something that we um, as human beings want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Why we turn to all kinds of different things, but it's right. so freeing. It really is when you can. Yeah. In a small way. Well, you know, and it, it's vulnerability. It's something that we, we train and practice to do in theater, right? Inhabiting mm-hmm. another person, studying human behavior, characteristics. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard, <laughs> you know, even if you have a college or a master's degree in it, it's still hard to, to like let yourself be seen, truly seen, you know, find vulnerability. Um, it also makes me think what you were mentioning, Brian and I have been doing a dry October and we were talking about that last night, Molly of like, do you miss drinking? And I said, I actually, I don't, and you know, and I don't drink very much anyway in my life, but, um, Brian's like, I just miss the ritual of having a, a whiskey, you know, late at night while we're talking or sitting with my brother on the couch, watching a, a football or, you know, basketball game, drinking a beer. Sure. And, and, and I said, you know, I, I think for me, really, it would be coffee if I stopped drinking coffee. And I've done that in the past. That would be harder for me to give up at this point in my life because I love it's 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 my ritual of choosing, you know, that helps me wake up, that helps me center in the morning. And I have done it with tea. But so looking at really what are the things we grasp and want to hang on to when we're we're trying to find our feet and I think so much of this conversation today, you know, guilt, shame, vulnerability is really about um, finding more awareness in our lives and in our world and being present to all of these feelings, Mm -hmm. even the ones that we don't want to feel. And the substances that we're talking about are ways in which we numb or, you know, zone out or go on autopilot. And I think that's, coming back to this idea of authentic living and having these feelings and this conversation and acknowledging that, oh, you hurt me today when you blah, 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 you know, or, oh my gosh, I'm I'm feeling vulnerable. That those pieces um, make living more exciting and also more dangerous, you Mm -hmm. know, when you are able to acknowledge that we're having a large experience every moment. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it's, it's, you know, what I think about um, in my household, every time I walk out the front door, every time I walk on a stage is that we have no idea what other people's experiences are. And even, you know, in our conversation, we just get a small taste of what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 And um, I love what you said about there's just, we don't know at all what's, going on with other people and um i think just having grace with um with the not knowing because there are so many things and so many battles that people are fighting even internally um just having that grace and knowing that we're all imperfect Um, and that hopefully by us saying even something simple like hey you know there's ever anything you want to chat about any way i can help you um, and that's vulnerable to ask, you know, some, a question like that. Um, 
hopefully that will help someone else to open up in a small way too. Yeah. And, and even a friendship would form in that way. Right, right. Like us. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and so many friendships truly have formed because of being vulnerable. Like yeah. um, I remember I was on a bike ride with a, um, a group of, of people um, the coalition downtown d- does like a mountain biking festival and we were going on a ride and, and I opened up to this one, um, girl that was on the bike ride, um, just telling her how I'd gone through during that time I was going through such fatigue with my adrenal fatigue, mm-hmm. and just food sensitivities and just all kinds of things were out of whack in my body physically. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I went through exact same situation two years ago. And so she could like wow. help me through that. And a an awesome friendship formed from that. Now it's wow. um, she's in um, uh, South Carolina now, but you know she's helped me through so many things, knowing that it can get better on the other side. And here's things that helped me. And then I even became a part of one of her um, women's health group that she started um, meeting with and mm. giving resources. And so it was just awesome, just you know seeing that tangibly by being vulnerable and opening up to someone else, you can form friendships. Yep. And so true. So true. Yeah. Oh, well, I love you, Molly. I love you too, Nikki. It's always <laughs> wonderful to chat. Yeah, Nikki, you too. You. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. All right. I'll see you next time. Take care, listeners. Bye. Bye.